housed within the Environmental Conservation Lab on Treaty 1 territory, home of the Anishinaabe, Cree, Oji Cree, Métis, and Dene people, you're listening to the Akiwan Podcast. This is Episode 7, titled Papa Menam, which is an Ojibwe word that means pay attention. In this special episode, guest host Bobby sits down with Manitoba Liberal Party leader Doug Lamont to dive into Bill 44 and the effects of hydro on First Nations and Manitoba residents. Buju Tansi. Of course, you all pretty much know who I am at this point. My name is Taylor. One of the spirit names that I carry is Brown Buffalo, and I come from the Fish Clan. I call Broken Head Ojibwe Nation my home community and one of the sacred places very near and dear to my heart. We thank you for tuning in to the Akiwan podcast. So, Bindige, welcome. Come on in. So we are now into part two of season one of the podcast. And for this special episode, we're taking a little bit of a turn from the traditional teachings to help people better understand Bill 44 and the Manitoba Public Utilities Board, a.k.a. the PUB. Now, I believe it is important for all of us to learn about the environmental issues and injustices that are occurring right in our backyards. As extraordinary as learning about our culture truly is, it is also essential that we hear about other issues that we as Indigenous and non-Indigenous people face on a daily basis regarding industry and government. And for that, we have special special guest host, Bobby. Take it away. My name is Bobby Manieli, international student. I'm doing environmental science. Yeah, so I've been working with Onisketan, which is Alliance of Hydro-Impacted Communities. So as part of um, communications, uh, the whole Bill 44 came up. Yep. And I thought it would be interesting because we just started a podcast to maybe have responses on it. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, well, look, it's a it's a terrible bill. Uh, basically, the entire point of the Public Utilities Board is supposed to be uh, so that you have an independent board that protects people. Yeah, <laughs> it, exactly. it, it looks it protects uh, it protects the people who have hydro from uh, from paying too much money. Um, it it and. It's independent. I mean, the whole thing about it is that it's this is it's independent from hydro and it's independent from government. And what's being proposed in this bill is basically almost getting rid of the public utilities board without getting rid of the public utilities board. Uh, it um, it's not new. Uh, so the idea I, I just sent you that article from 17 years ago, mm-hmm. where NDP Premier Gary Dewar was also really mad at the public utilities board because. They were saying, no, you, you know, Manitoba Hydro doesn't need to have a massive rate increase um, and to protect people who are from paying too much. And uh, so it, it actually shows this is a long, a long, pro- a long standing problem under, under governments, whether it's PC or NDP. Mm-hmm. Our position is that uh, the PUB should be intact, is that it's absolutely critical to have that independence. Um, and to make sure that people are protected. And 
uh, it, it's also interesting because part of the reason I sent you that is not just to say, well, look, the NDP and the PCs have done the same thing, mm -hmm. but they're making the same arguments saying, oh, it's too much. It costs so much money to do this. Well, the fact is, is that oversight doesn't come for free. Um, you know, is that there's a, there's a real cost to doing things the right way. Um, and you can, what, what they're trying to do, what the NDP at the time tried to do, what the PCs are trying to do right now is cut corners. They're trying to say, and it's really shocking when you dig into the details, basically the power to determine what rates are going to be is going to be taken away from the public utilities board. Mm -hmm. They can just keep going up and up and up. Um, they've said, well, it can either be 4% a year or twice inflation. Well, nobody knows what inflation could be, so it could be much more. And even though 4% doesn't sound like much, when you stack that 4% on 4% on 4%, pretty quickly you have, much faster than you realize because it's compound interest, you end up, um, you can end up doubling the cost of your, of, of hydro. And one of the things that they're doing without, without being uh, open about it, mm -hmm. is the whole point of hydro is, is that it exists to provide low cost electricity mm -hmm. to everybody. And so in doing that, uh, it, and it gets a monopoly uh, to do that, but the whole point, and this is actually, I think this is what people have struggled with. This is what the PCs and even the NDP struggled with, is that the point of hydro is not to make as much money as possible. The point of hydro is to make sure that people can afford electricity and to keep the cost of living low for families and for individuals and to keep the cost of business low. But that is not something, that's something that's gone out the window. It's sort of people thought, oh, well, this will be like our oil. We can make as much money on it as we possibly can. That's not what actually, that's not what you want a hydro company to do. You want it, yeah, you have to have that balance. And because it's a monopoly, and because it's owned by government, you have to have somebody there, the PUB, who could stand up for people. And it has to be something that's regular. Mm -hmm. So they're trying to shift it to make it every five years. Um, I mean, it's really, it's really appalling because they're completely dismantling independent oversight, mm -hmm. which protects people. And instead, it's all just going to go to the hands of the government. And... Uh, where it'll be just decided by either the minister or, or cabinet, not even by the legislature. So these won't be decided. You won't be debated. It won't be decided by elected officials. It's just the government in power. And that is the exact opposite of what we've been arguing for since I've been arguing for since before I was elected mm -hmm. is that hydro is hydro is owned by all Manitobans. It belongs to all Manitobans and it's, it, it, it needs to be bigger than politics is that we should stop politicizing hydro. Uh, and, and I mean, even we were talking about this, how, who's asking for this? Who actually wants this? And it's not quite clear to me, mm -hmm. um, except that the other thing about hydro, it gets, uh, look, there's, there's no denying it's, it's massive impacts on displacing communities, flooding out communities, um, the, the presence of work camps where uh, indigenous people were, uh, abused, um, sometimes criminally. It's really terrible. So there, there is a, a long legacy of uh, damage that needs to be compensated for. Um, but the other is that in terms of revenue, mm -hmm. that provincial governments have used, uh, have just keep taking hundreds of millions of dollars out of hydro every year. And this is a, this is a thing that's important to understand because 
and, and it's really actually unfortunate and, and it's new, but one of the things that's happened is that the worse that things get for hydro, the better it is for the government in power. And that, and that's a hard thing. And, and I know you, it, it's hard to understand because you, well, how can that be? It's because the way things have been set up um, is that when hydro takes on more debt, like the more debt that hydro takes on, the government of Manitoba charges a fee on that debt. So the more debt hydro has, the more money mm -hmm. the government of Manitoba gets. The more dams they build, they pay capital taxes. Uh, the more dams they build, the more money uh, they pay to the Manitoba government. And if those dams are go over cost, uh, have cost overruns and cost $2 billion more, well, that's even more taxes that the government can charge. And there's also water rentals. So there, there are these three areas where the government of Manitoba takes money and the worse it is, like it really is true, the worse it is for hydro, the better it is for government. But the fact is we own hydro. So there's a point when if things get really bad for hydro, we're all going to have to pay for it because they won't be able, all of a sudden hydro won't be able to pay its bills. Mm -hmm. It has as much debt as the province of Manitoba. And all of a sudden, if, if hydro can't pay its bills, we're going to be all, all of us are going to be on the hook for it. Mm -hmm. So, um, and this is sort of the dirty secret of both the, the PCs and the NDP is that for 20 years, they've actually used money from hydro to, to balance their books or to make their books look better. So that instead of the debt going up on the government side, it all goes up on the hydro side. And then they blame hydro. Oh, it's hydro's cost overruns. It's actually because the government, the government is the government of the day can has these incentives, they're called perverse incentives, mm -hmm. that mean that um, yeah, by the more trouble they put hydro into by saying, well, you've got to build this extra dam, you've got to spend an extra billion dollars on this transmission line by putting it in a different place, the government of Manitoba actually benefits from those things. Um, and that shouldn't be happening. So part of it is we've said is look, uh, and actually the, the public utilities board has done the same thing. Um, to say, uh, to say that the uh, that the government of Manitoba should actually give nine hundred million dollars to hydro mm -hmm. and let them and let them uh, have a break. So some would say that uh, Manitoba Hydro works closely with the current government. Uh, is a political interference a conflict of interest? Given that the government is to speak for the people. Well, there's. Yes, I would say yes, because there's a difference between the way I see it is that the Manitoba, it's not just the government of the day or the political party of the day. Mm -hmm. I talked to the premier about this. There used to be a, an organization that was set up with citizens as a buffer. So you had government and then you had this commission that dealt with crown corporations and then they would communicate to the crowns, but each one of these corporations, whether it's Hydro or Manitoba or MPI, they all have their own board. Mm -hmm. They're all supposed to be, because they're not just supposed to be a government department. They aren't, it isn't, uh, it's actually not the premier's job to tell these, these companies what to do. And they, they belong to all Manitobans. So Hydro's job is not to help the PCs or the NDP get reelected. Mm -hmm. Hydro's job is supposed to be to provide electricity at the lowest possible rate to as many Manitobans as possible. And it's the same thing with MPI. 
it's the same thing uh, with Manitoba liquor and lotteries, although it's a bit different, but um, or it's similar. They they're, they have their own jobs to do that are supposed to be free from politics because you don't want a situation where the premier is, is ordering Hydro to do something that only benefits people in his party or, or benefits a select group of people. It's supposed to work for everyone. And what's happened, and this, this bill is the worst example of it, but we've seen it. They eliminated the civilian group that was supposed to be uh, to, to interact with crowns. Mm-hmm. And the entire hydro board resigned. Although that was, a, that was even, that was odd because they, he wouldn't meet with them, but now they've appointed a whole bunch of people. And even in the hydro cuts that have been proposed this, this spring, the premier said, well, we're asking everybody for cuts. And Hydro said, okay, well, what can we do? Is like, it's not, that's not Hydro's job. It's, Hydro is a, is, it still has, makes money. It's still profitable. It's providing essential services. And there's no reason to lay anybody off. And it's not the premier's job to tell them to lay anyone off. But that's what they've been doing. And some of it is just, I've, I've, I actually tried to warn the premier about this to say, look, I mean, the reason... There's a reason you don't put your fingers in all these pies and it's that you can get burned. It's not good for the, it's, it's, it's the, it's political interference is bad, but it also means that you're messing around with something. You don't know what the premier is not an expert in hydroelectricity and car car insurance. And neither am I like some of these things is you leave these things to experts. But the other, the other really important thing is that if you're living in a democracy, you have to have set up systems where people are, have an obligation to say no and, and are empowered to say no. And that's part of what uh, the, the, the sort of civil oversight, civilian oversight was supposed to do. And it's also what the public utilities board is supposed to do. They are empowered and free to say no to hydro and to say no to the premier. And that's being eliminated. And that's, that's probably the biggest possible can, that is probably the simplest way to explain what is so wrong with this bill. Uh, yeah, so the power of saying no goes hand in hand with public consultation, right? And Absolutely. They did bring forth the first reading of Bill 44, and uh, the public consultation consisted of putting it out on a website with a short window of response. Uh, so this approach has been widely criticized. How can, what is the best way to consult people when it comes to matters such as these? Well, it, it, it has to be meaningful consultation. and. By meaningful, and then some of it is actually just be going beyond that and working in partnership with people, because um, it happens a lot with this government. You know, they'll put up a, a poll on a website and say, "Well, we consulted with people." Um, but part of it is you actually have to sit down, and listen to people, and take their ideas and pay attention, uh, because it, it's the same thing with saying no. It's also being recognizing that you might be making a mistake. Um, and that someone else is going to point it out for you. And that's actually a good thing if somebody else is helping, is preventing you from making a big mistake. But that's part of what the entire public utilities board is, is also supposed to do is that it provides people with an opportunity to put forward arguments. Um, and that is being denied. And, and one of the things that happened just in, in, in this, this spring, I think that the PCs got reelected and they've, have this huge amount of legislation they just want to push through. Um, and they, they, they dropped it all the day before the budget and then ended up being held up. Uh, but everything's been disrupted as a result of pan- the pandemic by accident. 
but it's given up people an opportunity to see what is actually happening is that they haven't been able to pull a fast one and ram all this stuff through. Um, actual consultation would mean, would mean public hearings. Uh, it would mean having uh, meeting uh, committees where people are given uh, the opportunity and time mm -hmm. ahead of time to say, look, you know, in a couple of weeks, we're going to be have a public hearing on this. You can, you should be able to present in person, uh, remotely or, uh, by, or by paper or whatever. Um, but the other, that's the frustrating thing about this is that we, is that so much of what this government does, the PCs, is just going through the motions. So you'll have presentations at committee, people will come forward with good, good ideas in important changes, and they won't actually make their way into legislation. So it's actually respect, it's actually, some of it is just, is doing it the right way. Um, consulting with people, making sure that we're listening, uh, actually making those changes. Um, like it's not, that's the way it's, it's just, we should run things the way they should be run because, um, because that's, the, it really does make things better. And, and like I said about corner cutting, um, there's just this sort of, I think there's a belief on the part of the PCs that uh, they're right and they just got to get this through and that opponents are just, uh, aren't, aren't, um, aren't, aren't worth, aren't worth listening to, or they just want to pay them, uh, lip service. So that is all those things. And, but I mean, fundamentally there's an ideological component of understanding what hydro is supposed to be and, and, and how it, what it exists for. And the idea, and that to me is it's original mandate, low cost power for everyone. Um, and getting away from that is not going to ultimately will hurt everyone. So, so far you've spoken as like the leader of your party. So speaking uh, just a citizen of uh, Winnipeg or Manitoba, um, would you have a rough idea of how much your last hydro bill was? We're not on a plan and I have natural gas at home. Okay. I know that it's, you know, it's in winter, it can be sometimes it's 300 bucks or more. In summer, it's usually around 150, 200 bucks. Okay, so um, the follow-up to that was, how important is a PUB in determining the price tag on that bill? Oh, it's absolutely critical. Yeah, it, it, I mean, the PUB makes that decision and Hydro doesn't really have much of a choice about it. And when you look at the details, uh, it's, really, it's really shocking uh, the way that the PUB is basically being stripped down and made powerless. Um, and I really don't even, in, in looking at it, we go, I don't know who benefits, right? Except uh, the one thing about it, I think, is to go back to the, the my one, one possible explanation is just that it's an alternative to raising taxes, is that they don't want to raise, they want to say, oh, well, we're not going to raise taxes, we can cut your taxes. But everybody else is paying for it because this allows massive increases in electricity rates. And that, it's just, it's just a way of... Uh, it's actually quite similar to what the city of Winnipeg has done with water fees is that you're not actually paying for your water. You end up, but that's an area where they can really, um, they can collect a lot of revenue, even though it's got nothing to do with water. So, I mean, part of it is we've called for um, honesty and accounting and that the taxes should be paid. The things that uh, taxes should be used to pay for things that for, Taxes and that hydro should be left alone as much as possible. And I then, and if that's, it's, it's, it is incredibly important because 
it has just been so politicized. It's turned into a political football football over the years. And it really is incredibly important and valuable to all Manitobans, um, recognizing, of course, the legacy it's had in the past. But um, it, it, it has enormous potential. And, it, uh, and, and I really, it, it makes me sad, frankly, that, that I think the NDP and the PCs have, have put it at risk. But it's absolutely still rescuable. Would you have any closing remarks? Uh, I, no, I just want to say thank you very much. Um, that voices, uh, voices like yours and the organization you belong to are really important. And uh, yeah, keep speaking up. I, and that's actually probably the most important thing I can say is that there are lots of people who you can fear that people don't care or people aren't listening um, or that it doesn't matter. But uh, having the courage to speak up and on these issues is, is, is really important because the more people who know about it, uh, the more we can make change. Sure. Okay. So that's the end of the interview. So thank you for that. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Thank you so much. Hey, thank you so much. Yeah. Have a great day. Miigwech, Bobby and Mr. Lamont for sharing your insights on Bill 44 and the PUB, the Public Utilities Board. If you'd like to learn more about Bill 44, there is a link on the episode description for you to visit. You can also take a stand against Bill 44 by joining the ongoing social media actions on Instagram at Waniskatan, that's Waniskatan, but it's all posted on the description as well for you, as well as you can follow us on Facebook. Waniskatan is another organization, kind of like the mothership organization that um, myself and Bobby work for. And we have Facebook and Instagram for you to follow along on um, the social media actions. All links are provided, as I said, as well. You've reached the end of Episode 7, Papa Minam, of the Akiwan Podcast. I'd like to thank Bobby for hosting, Mr. Lamont for his time, UMFM 101.5 for hosting our podcast, and of course, to you for listening. If you have any questions or would like to be a part of Akiwan, please email me at akiwan at umfm.com. 